Welcome everyone to Casio's Transformation podcast series. For the first in our series, we will be discussing business process outsourcing from the change manager's perspective. Casio is a leading consultancy firm offering a full range of business change and project delivery services. This first podcast is hosted by Casio directors Liz Doyle and Ed Coonan. I'm delighted to welcome Casio's managing director, Ed Coonan, today. Welcome, Ed. Thanks, Liz. Uh, good to be here. So, as we both know, this is a business change that we at Casio have been engaged on a number of times over the years. But it also seems to be really quite topical in the current economy, as we see more and more organisations viewing outsourcing as a fundamental part of their strategy. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Businesses are leveraging this model for a number of reasons, from cost-based reduction, incremental profitability, as well as higher standards of service and service levels. So can you start, Ed, by telling us a little about one of the companies Casio have worked with on this type of initiative and what drove their decision to outsource in the first place? Yeah, for sure. Uh, So as well, as we know, different companies will have different reasons for considering outsourcing as part of their business strategy or insourcing for that matter. But based on the companies we've worked with over the years, a lot of it comes down to stripping out the non-core activities or the non-value-add services in the organisation and thus allowing the company to spend their time and efforts focusing on their key strengths and their primary business. And I guess this also allows them to establish a flexible cost base that can scale up or down with their business. Yeah, exactly. So in this specific instance, one of our clients in the financial services sector had a large internal end-to-end administration team managing a portfolio of business. And when the operational costs were compared to the general market, it transpired that the unit cost of servicing the business was well out of line with mainstream competitors. So it really was a case of either significantly increasing the business volumes to justify the overhead or to establish a less costly service delivery model. Right. Yeah, and this is where like, the right outsourcing partner can add significant value uh, in that the cost of the resource capacity can, in some instances, be shared across a number of clients. Uh, plus, there are also many different pricing structures and models that can apply depending on the particular size or scale or even the nature of the business being administered. So in essence, the drivers in this case were primarily to reduce costs and increase profitability while maintaining or improving their service levels. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And also as well as providing the capacity to flex the service delivery model based on the business growth uh, without necessarily having the headaches of managing the expansion of the organization internally. And even more importantly, uh, it enabled the key business functions to focus on their core uh, growth strategy. Right. So on that basis, one would expect that the executive management team was very aligned on the decision from the outset. Was that actually the case? Well, um, okay, it's fair to say, I mean, the executive management team like, were fully supportive of the outsourcing strategy um, as it addressed a number of key business concerns and risks. Uh, however, it's fair to say, later in the process, when it came to deciding who was to remain uh, with the original company and who moved to the outsourcing organisation, there were certainly some political manoeuvrings. As can always be expected. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we certainly see plenty of that. Uh, But ultimately, once the process and structure and the decision-making criteria was agreed and was seen to be applied fairly, uh, the realignment of the resources was pretty clear, to be honest. I suppose uh, one of the key factors was that it was completed early in the process and it allowed the subsequent roles and responsibilities of the executives from a programme structure uh, perspective to be documented and agreed. So going forward, there was no ambiguity on that front, really, and we moved through the various phases of the programme. Right, yeah, I can see how it's fundamental to get full clarity on that from the outset, 
as any ambiguity on that front could really have caused significant delays. So before initiating what was certainly a significant change programme, what was the internal view on how the change should be managed and how it would ultimately be received by the business? Well, it was decided that as the initiative would result in a significant change across the whole organisation and was particularly sensitive, uh, together with the potential to be quite political, um, and the fact that the internal change team didn't have prior experience with a programme of this nature, it was felt it was more appropriate to leverage a third-party project management company, in this case Casio, uh, to undertake the assignment uh, in conjunction with the executive and the senior management team. Right. This was in relation to how it would be received. Uh, there was certainly a lot of consideration and debate on how the decision would land, so to speak. And by extending the core team to include the SMT members, obviously with the associated NDAs, as it was fundamentally important to have their input when structuring the communications and the messaging to the organisation. Of course. And uh, I suppose another critical component of this exercise was to clearly identify the key influencers, both positive and negative, as there's always both, and to formulate an approach to ensure that, I suppose, A, the drivers for the decision were clearly articulated, uh, B, the target business and the operating model was clearly understood, and lastly, that the impact for the business itself and the employees was clear and unambiguous, and that each member of the executive and the SMT were on point when it came to the consistency of the messaging. Yes, I suppose it can sound really obvious, but communications and consistent messaging really are the most common stumbling blocks on these types of programmes, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely, yes. I mean, this is uh, one of the biggest issues more often than not. So I'd expect that some of the key challenges you faced were specific to the nature of the programme, which we will touch on. But I'm sure also that there were some common themes that just regularly come up across all large-scale transformational change programmes. Yeah, for sure, Liz. I mean, as with any large-scale transformation or change programme, there are some fundamentals that must be right from the outset, I mean, to ensure success. Uh, I'm referring in particular to uh, areas such as programme sponsorship, uh, the governance structure that's in situ to ensure effective management of the programme, and that the members need to have the necessary decision-making authority to support the programme through this journey. I mean... Proper stakeholder analysis is another key element and which, to be honest, often doesn't get the attention it deserves. But for any transformation or business change program to be successful, you must have the right team in place to affect delivery and team selection is of paramount importance. Certainly. As you know, I'm a big believer in the viewpoint that people deliver change, not formal approaches or methodology. They are tools to support delivery, albeit very effective when adopted correctly, but just tools nonetheless. Yeah, absolutely Liz, um, and we're definitely agreed on that point for sure. And while we often hear that the best person for the job is too busy with their day-to-day -day role to take on a particular assignment, I mean, this is where the executive leadership is key. Um, as you don't get a second chance with a large-scale business transformation or change programme of this nature, yeah, it's got to be right first time uh, or it will lose credibility. And to be brutally honest, in my opinion, if you're not going to resource for success from the outset, you really shouldn't start it. Um, a lot of companies address key resource challenges by engaging experienced third-party organisations, particularly in areas such as business change and project management, companies such as ourselves, legal representatives, tax advisors and human resources, for example. And these add significant value as a client gets to leverage past experience to avoid the most common challenges encountered on a, on a programme of this nature. I suppose in the case of an outsourcing arrangement, uh, one particular challenge of note can be the cultural fit between the two organisations. And while it's pretty typical for them to vary, even significantly in some occasions, it sometimes requires due care and proper attention to ensure the variances are recognised, uh, that they're clearly understood, 
and the necessary steps and actions are included in the plan to address this early on in the process. Um, from a business change and project management perspective, it's vital to get a very solid programme and project structure in situ from the outset. And as I mentioned earlier, I mean, the team needs strong leaders across all the various work streams involved, you know, whether it's from the RFI, RFQ, tender assessment and preferred supplier selection, to the human resources, uh, areas such as Tupe, for example, um, the statements of work, including services and SLAs, communications, internal and external, uh, premises, company assets, technology, third-party contracts, in particular where innovation of contracts is required, uh, taxation, areas such as VAT proofing, due diligence, including data rooms, commercials, legal contracts, budgets, transition planning. And once this is set up for success at the outset, and everybody's on board with the approach, and how to travel the journey, it gets a lot easier for everybody to focus on their own particular area of responsibility without worrying unduly about other areas that are not necessarily within the remit. Okay, so quite a range of challenges there across company, culture, IT, etc., which is to be expected on this scale of an engagement. Of these, what did you deem to be, I guess, the most significant or challenging in this instance? And let's talk a little bit about how they were addressed. Yeah, okay. So, well, in this particular instance, um, an example we're talking about, while there was plenty of challenges day to day, as one would expect on a business change initiative of this scale, the two, re two real risks identified were in the areas of business premises and lease terms, and also in software contracts that need to be innovated to support the transition of the business. Now, thankfully, location of data wasn't an issue on this particular outsourcing initiative, but if offshoring of data or remote access is part of the preferred supplier model, this is something that will always need due consideration. Um, in essence, I mean, the challenge was more related to the length of time it was going to take to negotiate the necessary changes to the lease and contracts. I mean, it's not unusual for landlords and software vendors to have very tight contracts in situ, which can make it extremely difficult to unwind while in, without incurring additional costs and penalties, and that's assuming they agree to participate in the process in the first place. Mm. I mean, I suppose the most important thing uh, for this particular programme uh, was to have these identified at the start, so that all the necessary contracts and paperwork could be, say, compiled, reviewed, assessed, uh, to determine the most appropriate route to negotiate and secure the required result, and ensure that it didn't impact the critical path for the programme. Mm. I can certainly see that if those two items weren't identified early and were sitting on your critical path, you'd undoubtedly have reason to be worried. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I suppose the other key challenge uh, which you've already talked about was communications. I mean, I honestly believe that no matter how much time you spend on communications, it's nigh on impossible to construct a communication strategy and plan that's going to keep everybody happy and tick the box for every person. But I think the key here is to constantly gather and consider the feedback and improve the communications as you go, whether that be the content of it, the frequency, the method of delivery, etc. But if you want people to buy in and support the initiative, they need to understand the fundamentals behind the change. They need to be given the opportunity to ask questions and get the necessary clarifications. I mean, the, the importance of clear, concise and transparent communication should never be underestimated. So you've managed or been involved in a number of large-scale programmes now, Ed. Yeah, for sure. More than I care to remember at this point, I'm afraid. <laughs> so how would you differentiate managing a business process outsourcing programme over any other change programme? Well, I suppose in essence, uh, one must always apply the basic change management principles, uh, regardless of the nature of the change programme. Um, however, in the case of a business process outsourcing initiative, I'm strongly of the opinion that if the client hasn't done it before, they should leverage external parties with a track record in this area. Uh, to provide the necessary supports and give them the best chance of success. I mean, that's not 
uh, absolutely not, to dilute the importance of a client's own team. They are the ones who have the subject matter expertise and how the business is structured, how it operates, how it's managed day to day, and that's not something they can easily hand off to a third party. Mm. Um, I suppose the other consideration here is that depending on how the organisation is going to be split, some individuals with delivery responsibility could up feeling somewhat compromised or disenfranchised while still being responsible for key elements. Uh, and in these instances, it can sometimes make more sense to leverage uh, third-party resources that don't have skin in the game, so to speak, so they can focus 100% on delivering what's required to keep the programme on track. Okay. Well, let's talk a little bit about consultancy or company selection for this type of engagement. Having seen this done a number of times before and indeed led the selection process for clients in some cases, what would you deem to be the key factors in the selection criteria, Ed? Yeah, well, I think there are a number of things to be considered in terms of what to look for in the uh, consultancy company you wish to partner with. We've seen a lot of organisations who have partnered up with the big four, big five, um, on the basis that they can bring everything to the table, be it change management, project management, legal, tax advice, HR consultancy, etc., which is fine in theory. But uh, what can happen in a lot of cases, based on our observation, is that more and more of the consultancy company resources get pulled into the team and it becomes unwieldy, the impetus gets diluted, there are more and more meetings get what should be simple decisions, cost increases significantly, the budget gets challenged and timelines ultimately get impacted. Um, as was, in my opinion, the main drivers for a programme of this nature are the executive team, as they know their business best and ownership should never be handed off to a third party. And personally, I think when selecting a consultancy company to partner with, you should look for one that has a solid track record of delivering large-scale business change initiatives in your own particular sector, uh, one that has delivered similar business process outsourcing programs previously on a scale that's similar to the one that you're actually undertaking, um, definitely one that's cost competitive, um, one that is responsive. So if you have a need or require support of any kind, you don't want to have to jump through several hoops to get to a person who can make a decision. So you should select a company where you have a direct link to a partner or director level that's familiar with your program and can support you basically when you need it, right? Uh, and a company then that has energy and passion, uh, keeps things simple, uh, practical as possible. I mean, this is a company that will deliver what uh, you need when you need it most. Okay, certainly lots of practical and logical advice there. Well, we've covered a lot of ground and I'm sure our listeners will find this really interesting and informative, particularly organisations who are about to embark on this type of change journey or indeed consultants currently engaged on one. So thank you very much for your time today, Ed. No problem, Liz. Uh, it's always interesting to reflect on programmes of this nature and take stock of the lessons learned and hopefully listeners will find it useful. That concludes the first in Casio's Transformation podcast series. Business Process Outsourcing, The Change Manager's Perspective. Thank you very much for listening and you can find us on www.casio.com.